This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com uh, Our topic of Nefesh HaChayim And we are just recapping a little bit of chapter 6 And we discussed how our deeds affect the higher worlds Whatever we do has an effect on the worlds above Whatever we do has an effect on the worlds above And because our souls come from the higher worlds Since our souls come from the higher worlds It's not just one soul, it's many different parts of the soul so we thought every different part of the soul comes from a different location. So a person who has a higher soul, their soul gets affect the higher worlds. A person who has a lower soul affects the lower worlds. Depends on a person's soul. Usually we have different kinds of souls. We have souls going into every single world. But some souls go higher than others. So the, the more a person's soul is higher, they affect the worlds which are higher. So, so he says a very important point. He says it's not an in, immediate interaction. So whatever you do, you're sending up signals above. Today we can understand. It's much easier to understand. You have radio, wireless, everything. Today you don't see any strings. No strings attached. So where's our strings? And the answer is we don't need strings. Everything's wireless. Everything functions wirelessly. In the spiritual world, everything functions wirelessly. Today it's much easier to understand. Before they couldn't understand. How can God see you without them? Today we have satellites in the sky. We can understand the fact that people are seeing us, watching us all the time. Your camera's wherever you go. Hashem is watching us 24-7. It's a very advanced concept. But today we can start to understand it. Hashem can watch us without cameras. Why? Because Hashem is aware of what's, what's going on. Hashem is aware. His awareness goes down to all the depths of the world. Everywhere. Hashem is aware. So, so we have to understand. It's wrong to think that a person, in the sense that a person's soul inhabits their body, and therefore the soul interacts with the body immediately. That's true. But the way we re- react to the worlds above is not immediate. So what we do goes up to the worlds above. By the time we get a reaction, it could be in a, in a minute, it could be in a year, it could be in two years, it could be in five years. It could be after a person dies, they get the reward. So the reaction, so every, it's a, like physical, like physics, laws of physics, right? Laws of momentum. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. The question is, when is that reaction coming? Over here it's not so clear, it's not immediate. So the body and soul interact immediately. But the soul and the, the worlds above don't interact immediately. There is a lag, a time lag. So as the body instantly carries out the commands of the soul, the mind, the higher worlds do not instantly react to a deed, good or bad, performed by man. Okay, so the question is, why not? Why do the, soul, the worlds above not react immediately? Can you imagine? Every, every time a person does something, it causes smash, smash, destroy, destroy, Psh! person does the mitzvah, immediately he's creating worlds. Well, it's not so immediate. There are, there's ways, there's, there's paths to go through. So he tries to explain. After creating all the spiritual worlds and the entire physical universe, Hashem created a marvelous being. Human beings. Hashem created, imagine, we are the pinnacle of creation, right? The last thing God created, it's amazing, think about it. The last thing God creates is man. We are meant to be the pinnacle of creation whose physical organs correspond to all the spiritual light. Someone asked me, your wife, asked me this morning, the kidneys. It says the kidneys are like, uh, they give advice. Your advisors are your kidneys. What's going on over here? And the answer is not your physical kidneys, it's your spiritual kidneys. Because your physical body corresponds to the worlds above. Amazing. So our soul and our, and our bodies are synchronized in a sense that our souls also have What's called kidneys, well, not, not the same kidneys, but spiritual kidneys, whatever that means. The sifirot, which corresponds to those kidneys. 
So that's what he says. Our physical organs correspond to all the spiritual lights and sublime palaces above. In fact, there's a book called Shir Koma. I just got it when I was in Israel. Um, it's a book where it tells you which parts of your body is correspond to which parts of the world above. And if you read the paragraphs that do with the world above, you can fix your body. It tells you exactly the correspondence. So it gives you which verses to do which, par- which parts of your body. Fantastic. I'm just trying out myself. How <laughs> so far? Baruch Hashem. Much better. So it tells you your hands, this this verse, and this this world. Not tell him. It's uh, any part of the Torah. He picks parts of the Torah which are relevant to that part. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And you wouldn't see any relevance if you look at it. It's not obvious at all. What's this got to do with it? So he picks. He said the spy because the spiritual aspect and the physical aspect are related. So if you can fix the spiritual part organ, you can fix the physical organ. Because the physical uh, organ is sick because the spiritual organ is sick. So you've got to fix the spiritual organ, you can fix the spiritual organ. So it works backwards. So all the totality of all spiritual powers and mystical worlds are arranged in the form of a man. So when you look at a man, you're looking at representing, that's what it says, Selim and we're creating the image of God. What does the image of God? We're creating the image of the upper worlds. Right. As the Zora says, just as all spiritual powers above have their counterparts in man, so does each mitzvah correspond to part of the human body? Here we are. So every mitzvah corresponds to the part of the human body. If you would know what's wrong with you and you could know which mitzvah corresponds to that part of you, you would know what the correlation is. And you could fix it by doing that mitzvah or doing teshuvah on that mitzvah. When a person fulfills a mitzvah with one of their limbs, he causes a spiritual reaction in the higher worlds that corresponds to that limb. Right. So in other words, our bodies are shaped like the sefirot. When you do a mitzvah, say, with your right hand, that's chesed. So you're having an impact on the world above of chesed, the sphere of chesed. Your left hand is corresponding to gvura. So when you do a mitzvah with your left hand, you're, you're enhancing the gvura in the world above, and so on and so forth. On the other hand, abusing a limb through sin causes damage to the higher worlds that correspond to the limb. Depending on the gravity of the sin and the status of the corresponding higher world, that world is either totally destroyed or lowered. Now, what does that mean? That means we have... So the answer is, every single human being has their own system. It takes a long time to figure this out. Every human being has their own system. We are like, if you look and think about it, we, we compare a, a human being and God to a shadow. Hashem, David Amel says, Hashem is my shadow. Hashem is your shadow. What does that mean, your shadow? You're walking around, your shadow is following you. Whatever you do, your shadow follows you. Midah can negate midah. Whatever you do, Hashem does to you. You smile, Hashem smiling. What do you mean, Hashem smiling? Your worlds above you, which are part of you, which are your spiritual worlds above you, where you're getting your energy from, are smiling back at you. What does that mean? If you're happy, they're shining radiance down to you. As we say in the Bikat Kohanim, Ya'er Hashem Pana Velecha, Hashem should shine His face to you. If your face is shining, Hashem's face is shining to you. You're, give, you're giving other people energy through your smile, Hashem's giving you energy through your smile. If you frown, you're attracting uh, dinim, you're attracting judgments. You judge other people, you know, smile, be happy. Otherwise you're sad, that means it's judgmental. And so it attracts judgments. So the way we are, that's how we attract energies. So it's always good to be happy, it's always good to be cheerful, it's always good to be positive, it's always good to be, say good things about other people, because whatever we do comes back immediately, not all, nearly, nearly always immediately. So the holiness, a person does a mitzvah, the holiness comes back to the source of the mitzvah, to the limb of the person did the mitzvah. 
Obviously, the power of the holiness depends on the attitude a person did the mitzvah. So a person does a mitzvah and says, ah, I, don't, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it anyway. Usually it's stuck out. It's very, the hardest mitzvah to do is stuck out. The guy comes, ah, I don't want to give him. Why should I give him? I don't even know the guy. I don't give him anything. The person says, yeah, I'll give him. I'll give him anyway. I don't really want to give him, but I'll give him anyway. So there, a person has the tendency to say, I don't want to do it. So now that ruins, in a sense, part of the mitzvah. So part of the mitzvah is the physical mitzvah. Do you do it? I did it. I did the mitzvah. How do you do it? I did it. I don't really want to do it. I pushed myself to do it. Okay, so that's, that lowers the quality of the mitzvah. The quality is made up by your intent, your kavanah, your happiness, your joy. So some mitzvah we enjoy doing, some mitzvah we don't enjoy doing. So some mitzvah we do, we get 100%, sometimes 500%. You get a thousand percent. Uh, a person really has joy and gusto. He does the mitzvah properly. It's very hard to think about how Avraham Avinu, think about it. Hashem says, Avraham Avinu, take your son. Your son? Which one? Your only son. They're both only sons. The one you love. I love them both. Et Yitzhak. What am I going to do with him? I'm going to take him up the mountain. You're going to bring him as an Ola. Rashi says straight away, he didn't say to kill him. He says, raise him up. Put him on the altar and then bring him down. That's what Rashi says. Abraham Avinu misunderstands. What does he do? He gets up the next morning. He travels for three days with gusto and, and energy and, and running. And pff, How do you do that? And then he got disappointed. Hashem says, take him down now. That's enough. Until <laughs> <laughs> he sees the ram. So, imagine, the hardest thing to do, why was that Abraham Avinu's test? Because he's a man of kindness. His test was, are you going to go against your own nature to do God's will? So sometimes God's will fits in with my nature. Sometimes God's will goes against my nature. That's where the mitzvah, that's where the biggest mitzvah is. Because you're fighting your own nature to do God's will. It's very hard. So a person is, finds it very hard to stop working. He's a workaholic, workaholic, workaholic. Shabbat comes along. Oh gosh, so hard to sit down, you know. A person smokes. Can you imagine? I remember these smokers today, Baruch Hashem. It's, I don't see it as well, as common. Maybe it is, I don't know. Imagine the guy's a chain smoker. Shabbat is Every second is going by. He's like, can't wait. Shabbat's over. He's outside <laughs> smoking straight away. <laughs> but amazing how he controls himself in 25 hours. Amazing. It's hard. It's hard. But the same thing applies to any tendency a person has. Some tendencies we have is very hard to conquer. Some tendencies we have are easy to do. Why? Because we flow with our tendencies. So a person, a very kind person, will be very charitable, very achnazad warchim. A person, a mean person, will do the opposite. But a person who's a mean person might be a good policeman. He's very good at telling people what to do. You can't do this, you can't do this. He'd be a very good policeman. So it's good, be a policeman. The guy who likes uh, blood should be a mohel, a shochet. <laughs> so that's what Vandagon says. A person should know where they're going, like career, career counseling. You go for career counseling, they'll tell you. You're good at this, you have propensity for this. It's like career counseling. Same thing with our bodies, but doing it in a way which is good. Find a vehicle that you can serve God with your tendency. But even if it's not your tendency, still have to serve God. But the purity, the potency of the Kedusha, of the holiness, depends on the mental intent and the purity of thought by which the mitzvah was performed. So a person says, you know what? There's no one around. Why am I doing this? I'm doing it purely for God. When there are people around, you may be showing off. It may, be not, it may not be purely for God's sake. So Victor Miller says, try and find a mitzvah a day purely for God. Just one mitzvah a day. Focus. No one's around. No one's watching you. And say Asher Yatsar properly. <laughs> no one's watching. Uh, no one's watching you. You put the dishes in the dishwasher. 
There's no one around. You're not doing it. No one's around. You're not trying to carry points. You just do it quietly. Do the mitzvah. Do chesed. Sweep the house. It's a mitzvah. No one's around. Do a mitzvah. No one knows about By fulfilling all the mitzvah perfectly, with all the details, with the purest of motives, one rectifies all the higher worlds. And Hashem's glory rests on the person. Imagine. A person can do this. This is 613 mitzvah. It's a lot of mitzvah. A lot of opportunities. On the other hand, abusing a limb, imagine, he talks about abuse. When a person does an avera, they're abusing the part of the body that they did the avera with. So usually we abuse our mouth. We speak Lashon Ara, abusing your mouth. It's kind of, it's very, very harsh. Abusing the mouth. A person does an avera with the hand, they're abusing the hand. They're the leg, they're abusing the leg. It causes damage to higher worlds that correspond to that limb. So if our body is referred to, referred to as sfirot, then we're causing damage to that sfira. Depending on the gravity of the sin and the status of the corresponding higher worlds. So that's a, Baal Shem Tov says an amazing concept. Baal Shem Tov says, if a person is doing something bad, and they, and they groan, because they don't really want to do it. I wish, you know, they sigh. Uh, I don't want to do it, but I can't help it. He says that sigh is worth trillions of dollars. Because then he's not doing the he's not doing the sin with gusto. If he does the sin with gusto, he's doing much bigger sin. It's like a, a mitzvah, right? When you do a mitzvah and you're doing it lovely and you love it and you're doing it, you're drawing it, you're doing a tremendous mitzvah in the world's above. But if you're doing a sin, the same thing. If you're doing a sin with gusto and enjoying, that's the worst kind of sin. If you do a sin and say, ah, I don't like this, I don't want to do it, but I can't help it. It's a much lower kind of sin. He said that's worth a lot. So just to, so if a person's going to sin, at least do it with a side. I, I don't really want to do it. But a person looking at say, I really want to do this. This is excellent. I like to do this. I enjoy doing this. So a person has a sin with one limb. He can destroy the world corresponding to that limb. So it's, it's not just that we are just isolated. Each one of us is in isolation. We're each one. So what do I do? What do I do? Show me what I did. I did this. So, so what? I broke Shabbat. Now what? Who cares? What happened in the world? I don't see anything. Did the world change? Which one? This one. <laughs> so the answer is we don't see it. We don't see changes. That's our problem. Our problem is we don't see it. We have to imagine that there are changes, not just in this world. The changes go all the way up. That's our problem. It goes all the way up. How do we know that this is true? How do we know? And the answer is because of the destruction of the Bede Mikdash. Who destroyed the Bede Mikdash? Well, the first Bede Mikdash was the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar. The second Bede Mikdash was Titus, Titus, the emperor of Rome. The rabbis say it was already destroyed. He destroyed a destroyed building. Mm-hmm. And he destroyed a destroyed building. How was it already destroyed? And the answer is, we destroyed it with our deeds. So we don't see that destruction. That's the trouble. When we do a mitzvah, we're building the Beit Dash. Which Beit You don't see the Beit Dash. It's being built. But we don't see it. Uh, before I got married, I was in yeshiva. And the rabbi used to tell me, first build your physical house, and then you'll build your... Sorry, first build your spiritual house, and then build your physical house. First, you're going to build yourself spiritually, and then you can build yourself physically. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about doing the mitzvah, which is physical. By doing the physical mitzvah, we can do build our spiritual house in the world above. So that's something which, you know, can you imagine a person goes to the next world, and they say, here, yeah, see all these places, these are all spiritual worlds that you built with your deeds. Wow. Or they'll see disasters and say, these are all the worlds that you destroyed with your deeds. But it's not immediate. That's what we're saying. It doesn't come back straight away. Some people, it does come back straight away. Other people, otherwise there'll be, free, there'll be no free choice. If every time you did something, you'll get something straight away back. What free choice does a person have? 
Right? So Hashem made a delayed reaction. Person does a mitzvah, you won't see the reward. Maybe ten years down the road, five years down the road, whatever it is, it does. It's not immediate. Person says, "Listen, I did a mitzvah. Where's the reward? Where's the where's the where is it? I didn't see anything. If you see straight away, no one's going to do an avira. If you get punished every time you do something, there's a flash of lightning. Who's going to do anything bad? So all this is for our free will. So the answer is there is a delayed reaction over here. The big question is, person says, Rabbi says, I prayed so much for this." How come I, I didn't get answered? I prayed so much, I prayed so much. No prayers are wasted. Not a single prayer is wasted. If you don't get it, someone else in need will get it, and you'll get reward for it, for praying. It'll come to somebody, somebody will get that. That prayer will work for someone, it's not wasted. So, yes, there is a delay in the circuits, and the delay is to give us free choice, otherwise there'll be no free choice. But the truth is, the greater the person, it's much more immediate. You can see it in your life. I can see it in my life. Do this, boom, straight away. Nearly straight away. It's nearly automatic. Something happens to match it. It's, it's. So some people can see it. Some people don't see it so, so straight away. Because the truth is, if it's not going to affect your free will, it's going to be straight away. <laughs> because the whole purpose of the delay is to affect, not to affect your free will. If my free will is, I believe in God, and I believe that there's a cause and effect, then it's much more quick. If I believe there's no God, no cause and effect, Hashem says, I'm not going to ruin your free will. You stay in your own free will. The person can see it. So, we find also with the crossing of the sea. How did the Jews cross the sea? They're all terrified. What are they doing? Someone jumped in. What are they doing? Praying. They're praying. And what does God say? Why are you praying? Lama titzak Why are you crying to me? Who are we going to cry to? What is God telling them? There's a time to pray and there's a time to act. There's a time to pray and there's a time to have faith. Hashem says go. In life we have to have faith. A person will never do anything without faith. You won't cross the road without faith. You won't go to, uh, you won't get married without faith for sure. Some people don't get married, they have no faith. How am I going to survive? How am I going to do that? How am I going to manage? They don't have kids because they don't have faith. How am I going to pay for a kid? Especially in yeshiva tuition, forget it. So a person needs a lot of faith to do any mitzvah. You need faith. You need to jump into the sea. And the sea will split. You have to have that faith. And when you jump in and you jump in, that's when the sea splits. So there's a time to pray. So you prayed. Now what? Do action. Actions speak louder than words. But it's going to have the action. And the faith of that can split the worlds. The faith is so powerful. Hashem. You believe in Hashem. Hashem will help. Hashem says, you believe in it? It's going to help you. Your faith just created your path. Your faith can create your path. Person has no faith, nothing happens. So to summarize, we're in chapter 7. A person is a soul of many worlds. Because our souls are split into different pieces. Just as every part of our limbs is activated by our souls, so our destinies in the spiritual worlds, and whether the world lasts or is destroyed, determined by the actions of a person. So how we observe the mitzvah, we create worlds. How we do avirod, destroy worlds. And we have the choice, freedom of choice, to direct ourselves and direct the spiritual worlds as well. So what does that mean? Even if I destroy the world, I can fix it. How can I fix it? Teshuvah. Amazing. Teshuvah, the power of Teshuvah is so great. A person can fix everything they did in the past. Imagine. We can fix everything we did. And that's why a person does Teshuvah before they die, they just fixed everything. Someone says it's about Teshuvah. He fixed everything. 
So what a beautiful gift we have. So how can a person fix something? I, I destroy it. Imagine. You, just, you, you, you throw a cup on the floor and the cup smashes into pieces. Oh, I'm sorry. I wish I never did that. Okay. <laughs> the cup. All of a sudden comes together. All together. <laughs> Where do you see that in the world? You don't see that in the world. But in God's world, you see it. That's the Shuvah. The Shuvah is the ability to recreate. But not just to recreate. You can recreate better than it was before. That's why Baal Teshuvah is greater than a tzaddik. Imagine. How does it work? So my rabbi in England used to say like this. He says, when a person does a sin, they do it with gusto. When a person does a mitzvah, they don't do it with such gusto. Right? So let's, let's, let's take an example. The guy's going to watch a movie. He's going to the movie. And the movie is an R-rated movie. He's not allowed to go there. R-rated movie, he's not allowed to go to see. The, the, the words they use, Asur to hear these words, they used to use these words, the sights you see, disgusting, Asur to see the sights. The guy goes to the movie, and not only that, he's going early. He can't wait to go. It's a very good movie. I can't wait. So excited. So excited. Or say a theater. Same thing. Theater is also our. He goes to the theater. He can't wait. He's lining up outside. They can't wait. Two hours lining up outside. He buys the ticket. It's very expensive. And he goes in and he's standing over there. And, huh? $200. $200 ticket. Beautiful. Pays through his nose to go. To what? And he's very happy. And they're very happy. Not just to pay through the nose. They're very happy. <laughs> they're laughing and joking. It's fun. This is fun. This is what you live for. This is what Americans live for. To be entertained. They live for it. People live for it. And they go there and they're watching this garbage and they're so happy and they just spend so much money. Now, now what happens now? He's about to shiva. Hashem takes that avira and makes it into a mitzvah. Which kind of mitzvah? He did it with gusto. He gets a mitzvah with gusto. He gets a mitzvah with all the best intentions because he had all the best intentions. So his mitzvah can't compare to the Sadiq's mitzvah which he didn't do with gusto. So a person can take an avira and change it into a mitzvah by teshuva. Which teshuva? It's going to be a highest level of teshuva. Teshuva me'ava, teshuva from love of God. But says, you know, I love God so much. How could I do this to him? If you, it's like you insulted your mother. How can you insult your mother? You're crazy. How can I do this to my mother? So, mommy, I'm sorry. I'm, what happened to me? I'm, I'm sorry. I love you. So, same thing over here. Person says, God, I love you. How can I do this? I'm, I didn't love you before, but now I love you so much. How could I? That teshuva can change bad into good. So we have free choice. We have the power to change what we did already. That's, thank God for that power. You can take what you smash. Imagine, think about it. That's how do you do that? I smashed this cup, and now I can fix it back together again, better than what it was before. Better than what it was. David Amelach says, Hashem is your shadow at your right hand. Psalm 121. Just as your shadow mimics every motion one makes, so Hashem guides the higher worlds according to your actions. The Zohar says, if a person smiles, Hashem smiles at him. It's like the song. If you smile, uh, the world smiles at you. But it's not just this world smiles at you. The world above smiles at you. Wow. If you open your hand to give tzedakah, Hashem will open his hand and give you. If a person is sad and depressed, Hashem judges them with strictness. And that's why Tehillim says, if do it, Hashem b'simcha. Always serve Hashem with joy. A joyful person draws down joy from the world above. If you're happy, Hashem says, I'm so happy you're happy. Imagine, you see a child happy. Is there anything better than seeing a kid happy? For a parent? No. Huh? It's the best. You want to see your child happy? The child walks in, he's smiling. Yeah. I'm so happy, you know, my daughter's in Israel. She's happy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a pleasure, you know. Happy. You pay so much money, at least she's happy. happy. What a <laughs> Huh? Happy and healthy. Happy and healthy, yeah. But happy because she's happy. 
she can be healthy and be miserable. That's terrible. That's terrible. So we have to be happy we're healthy, but happy we can do things. Baruch Hashem, we're happy. So the person's happy, Hashem showers them with more joy. It's all midah, kenet, midah. person's sad, Hashem judges. It's terrible, we should never know. So it's always important to have a good attitude, good attitude to life, positive attitude to life. The Gemara says, now we come to a very fascinating, because we, we talked about this two weeks ago, Truma. In Pasha Truma, it talks about the design of the Beit HaMikdash, of the Mishkan. What's in the Mishkan? The Holy of Holies is the... Aron. What is the Aron? The Luchot, which is inside a box, and on the box are the Keruvim, the cherubs. Very strangely, cherubs. So, uh, what's cherubs going to do with the Holy of Holies? Why would there be two angels inside the Holy of Holies? So, Ramban says, because these angels represent the worlds above. Because you've got to know that the entrance to the world above is through these, this box. Through This is the entrance to the worlds above. So we're going to represent the dimensions above by these cherubs. These cherubs represent the next dimension above this world. Above this world, above this, this dimension, is the dimension of the angels. So here we have this dimension, and we have the dimension of the angels. So cherubs represent the dimension above. That's the lid of the, of the ark. The lid of the ark is the lid above this world. The ark represents this world, the lid of the ark represents the world above, and the angels are there to show the world above. So the question we have is a very quick question. The Gemara has a big debate. Bab Batra. How were they standing, the Kruvim? Were they facing each other, facing away from each other? Which way did they make the Kruvim? So the Machloka between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Yochanan, one of them says they faced each other. And the other one says they turned around. If they, were fa- they wouldn't turn around, but they were made facing the Beit HaMikdash. So he brings a proof. It says in Divrei Yamim, that the Beit HaMikdash built by Shlomo, that the Kruvim were facing the Beit HaMikdash. They were facing away from each other. And the Gemara answers, there's no difficulty. They, sometimes they, they moved. It was a miracle. These Kruvim could move around. Wow, I find gold angels turning around. Doesn't make sense. How does a gold angel, it's not on a swivel or anything, it's a solid gold, and it moves around. Miracle, miracle. When they were facing each other, it's a sign Israel was doing the will of God. And when they turned to the Beit HaMikdash, it was a sign that Israel was not doing the will of God. So in other words, one angel represented God, and the other angel represented Israel. When they were doing, Israel was doing the will of God, God is like looking at them and loving them. And when the angel is not doing the will of God, when the God, Israel is not doing the will of God, Hashem turns his face away from Israel. Okay. Does it say which one as well? Yes. So uh, the Gemara says, According to the one who says they face towards the Beit HaMikdash, it doesn't say they shall, the crew shall face each other. So how can they turn to each other when it says explicitly they were facing the other side? Mm-hmm. So says they were turned to an angle. Mm-hmm. They weren't facing each other, Mamash, because the, the Torah says they were facing the, the Beit HaMikdash. So they turned at an angle where they're facing each other and the, and the walls. Partially to themselves, partially to the walls. What does that mean? How can you be partially here, partially there? And the answer is, we believe that Torah in their heretz. This is Rav Chaim Velazhen. I'm not saying this is Chaim Velazhen. He says, when they're, looking, when they're looking at each other, means that totally Israel is serving Hashem totally. That's learning Torah all the time. That's doing mitzvot all the time. When they're looking partially away, it's a sign that they're not serving Him entirely. There is some gashmiut. There is some material sustenance involved. So he says, this is the Gemara Bracho, which we talked about. What is the balance between learning Torah and doing work? What is the balance over here? 
So this is interesting, this is chapter 8. What is the balance between, and he fits this into the Kruvim. The Kruvim. So the Torah says, in the Shema, ve'asafta diganecha, you will gather your grain. In the Shema. Second paragraph. Ve'asafta diganecha, you will gather your grain. Who's going to gather the grain? We are. You are. Israel's going to gather the grain. You have to go to work. Gather your grain. And then it says in Yoshua, You will not stop learning Torah. Your mouths will not stop learning Torah. You have a contradiction over here. Are you gathering your grain or are you learning Torah? So Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, You're gathering your grain is a curse. If you don't learn Torah, Hashem will say, You have to gather your grain. But if you learn Torah, other people will gather your grain. It's a curse. Rabbi Shimon says, No. You need to do both. You need to gather your grain and learn Torah. How do you do that? And so the Rav Chaim Velazhar says, even when you're working, you have to think the Torah. Even when you're working, your mind should be, you have a spare minute here, a spare minute there, think about Hashem, think about the Torah. Otherwise, how's it gonna, how are you going to fulfill the mitzvah of Torah all the time? It's very hard. So today it's very easy why you have these tapes, and you have the Torah anytime, you have the video, and you can just play it. When you have a spare time, you're looking at the video. Right? Have a break here, a break there. Instead of wasting time, people, you know, they're driving. You hear the tape. It's very hard, because while you're hearing the tape, you're not really hearing. It's hard to focus. You're driving, and you're there. It's hard to focus. You're supposed to really focus on the... To understand, to learn, you have to focus. So, so Rabbi Shmuel says, you work. And when you're working, you think the Torah. That's why the Gemara says in Kiddushin, at the end of Kiddushin, it says, Leolam ilamed adam et beno avoda nikiyav kala. A person's going to teach his son to trade which is clean and light. What trade do you teach a child? There's not many Jewish garbage collectors. There are not many Jewish road cleaners. Right? The Jews like to do white-collar work. White-collar work. Why white-collar work? It's a Gemara. The Gemara says... A tray which is clean and light. White color. Why? So you can think about the Torah. Because the place is clean. If a place is dirty, you can't even think the Torah. You can't think about Torah. You can't say a bracha. You can't imagine. You can't say a bracha. The place is dirty. So a garbage collector, you can't say a bracha. He's hungry. No bracha. A tannery, where they cure leather. Can't say a bracha. It's disgusting. So a person's going to find a job which is clean and light. Why light? Because he has, he's not exhausted. A person's not exhausted. They come home and they can learn Torah. So that's, that's Rabbi Yishmael's opinion that you can combine the words of Torah with the worldly occupation. Rashi Baruch says it's practically impossible. If you work when you're meant to work, you'll never learn Torah. So they have a person should learn Torah all the time and other people do your work for you. The Gemara ends off. Many did, like Rabbi Shemayel, who combined the Torah study with the worldly occupation and were successful. Many tried to do, like Rabbi Shemayel, they devoted themselves to Torah study exclusively, but they were not successful. So a person's going to do both. going to do both. But they have to remember, even when they're doing work, think about Hashem, think about the Torah. That's why a person's going to be light. So it's, 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 that's why we have brachot. A person's hungry, bracha. So what does bracha do? Reminds me there's a God. Okay, moving to chapter 9, we're talking about faith over here. There's a chapter about faith. The generation that wandered in the wilderness. Think about it. 
The manna fell from heaven. Hard to imagine, right? It's one of the ten things we have to remember every day. One of the things we have to remember every day is the man. A person who remembers the man every day will never worry about panasal, never worry about where his sustenance is coming from. Think about it. I try and visualize, you know, like little Cheerios falling from the sky. Because <laughs> that's what it says. It says it was like zero God. Uh, it was like a, a, a honey-tasting wafer. Not tofu, it's not honey-tasting. It's not a wafer, it's not honey-tasting. But I'm saying like a Cheerio is honey-tasting. Honey, not Cheerio. <laughs> I'll just give you an example. But just, you have to imagine it, because a mitzvah to imagine it. Person going to imagine. Hashem is sending your food every day from the sky. He sends you exactly how much you need. Because every day you go pick up the same amount. And if you had a big family, it would increase. You had a small family, it would shrivel. Imagine, you're picking up the same amount. Everyone goes picking the same amount. But it depends on the person, and it depends on how many people they have. Plus, there's satisfaction in the stomach. So this guy would eat less and be happy. And the other guy would eat more and be happy. Everyone eat a different amount. But it's the food of emunah. It's the food of trust in God. A person has the faith that the food's going to fall every day. Imagine. If he doesn't have faith, the food's not going to fall. It's wild. Wild. It was the food of faith in God. The bread from heaven. Their clothes never wore out. Can you imagine? You wear your clothes. They never wore out. And they always clean. How do you invent clothes like this? Still today, they haven't invented these clothes. They never wear out. They always clean. How do you get a clothes like that? Amazing. So, uh, today, they put Teflon on the clothes. You know, you see the plant. They come pants with non-stick. They're not stick. Uh, why? So this dirt will not engrave itself inside it. That's true. All the materials, they are putting non-stick stuff, uh, plastic stuff. So your clothes, they don't absorb the dirt. It tells you. They don't absorb it. So, but uh, imagine, this is a miracle. The clothing never wore out. They never had to work. That's what happens now. It's a very big... You don't have to work. What do you do? All day long, you have to learn Torah. So you have to, you have to enjoy it. Can't. It's like, I can't go to work. I can't, if you look at the negatives, I, I can't cook. Imagine, some people love to cook. I can't go to the store. Why? It's a pleasure to go to the store, supermarket, pick this and pick this. There's no stores. There's no stores. There's no cooking. There's no cleaning. There's nothing to do. All you do all day is you sit in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. No internet. No internet. Oh, boy. <laughs> you just watch the miracles. Just enjoy the miracles. Then they will study Torah day and night. He didn't have to make a living. As the Midrash puts it, the Torah was given to the generation that ate the manna. Because the Torah was given to them, they had nothing else to do. Their food supply was guaranteed. Their clothes never wore out. Their, not, their shoes never wore out. Never do anything. No stores, no nothing, no side distractions. Learn Torah all day. So that's why he says, in the Mishkan, the Kruvim were made facing each other. And that's what the Torah says. You made the Kruvim facing each other. Ish elachiv. Right? Or Isha elachota. Whatever it is. Remember what it says? So they were positioned facing each other because Israel was doing God's will only. However, in Shlomo's days, when the Jews had to go to work, they made the Kruvim not facing each other directly. They were facing each other partially and the other side facing the wall. And that is Rabbi Shemayel's opinion. You go to work and you, you don't learn Torah. Okay, so that's the angle the, that's the, angle the Kruvim were uh, facing each other. 
So when the Kruvim are facing each other directly, that means the Jews are serving God entirely. When the Kruvim are facing slightly away from each other, that means they're not serving God entirely. So that's why he says, God is saying to them at the crossing of the sea, why are you crying to me? Tell the Jews to move. It all depends on you. If your faith is strong, you're going to win. If your faith is weak, you're going to lose. Uh, where do we see this? Many times in the wars, right? Especially Gidon. Hashem says to Gidon, you've got too many people. You've got 10,000 people to fight the Midianites. The Midianites have a massive army. 100,000, I don't know how many people there were. Thousands of people. And the Jews have 10,000 people. And he says, Gidon, you have too many people over here. What, too many people over here? Send whoever's scared. Tell them to go home. Okay. Anyone who's scared, go home. Okay, that's very half the people left. Gidon, you have too many people here. What? Two people? Yeah. Take them to the stream. If they go down on the on the legs and they, and they go right down to the water, they drink from the water, send them home. If the guys take the water in their hands and pick it up and, and drink like this, keep them. He said 300 people were left. Can you fighting a war with 300 people? Hashem says, no problem. I'm here. Hashem. I have to have Emunah and Hashem. So if there was 10,000 people, this, uh, people would say, it wasn't God. It was a Jewish army. But here's only 300 men. What does he do? Everyone has to have a, a shofar and a lantern covered up. And they go in the middle of the night and they blow the shofar <laughs> and, they, and lanterns and they set fire to the tents and they shout for God and for Gidon. And the Midianites are so scared they come out and they're fighting each other. They start killing each other. They run away. So 300 men, that's it. So a person needs emunah. A person needs emunah. I mean, Israel is like the main, you see, Israel, tiny little country. The size of New Jersey, 8 million people fighting 200 million people. That's a miracle. A miracle. So a person needs emunah. So that's why God says to them at the sea, why are you crying? You have to have the emunah. If you don't have the emunah, the sea will not split. You can cry all you want, the sea is not going to split. Imagine, in life you've got to pray, but you also have the emunah. You have to move forward. If you don't move forward, Hashem is not going to do it for you. You have to move forward as well yourself. People say, you know, if I pray enough, Hashem will do this for me. Maybe. If you're one of the lucky people, yes, He'll do it for you. If you're not one of the lucky people, you've got to do it for yourself. And you have to have a Muna Hashem to help you do it. So a Muna can affect things. A Muna can affect things. We know the uh, famous story of, uh, of Hanina ben Dosa. Hanina ben Dosa was a man who was pauper. He was a rabbi who was pauper. He was, had nothing. One day, his, 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 his daughter comes to him, Daddy, there's no oil to light the Shabbat candles. He said, what do you have in the house? Vinegar. So light the vinegar. The same God who said to light the oil, the oil light, will make the vinegar light. So his emunah was so great, that God is so great, what difference does it make if it's vinegar or oil? So once he had that belief, the vinegar lit. It's a miracle. Suppose it has the emunah, the emunah can power things. The emunah can power things. We have to believe, we believe in the faith, the power of faith. We believe in the power of Emunah, really. So the question now we have is, what is the difference between man and angel? So do, does man higher than the angel, or is angels higher than man? So obviously in the dimensions above, the angels are higher. We see angels are higher. They live in a different dimension, a higher dimension. But don't forget, our souls go up higher than the angels. So the potential of man, the potential man has, is much higher than the angel. The angel can't go up. We can go up. 
So both opinions are correct. Angels rank higher than men, both in essence, holiness, and understanding. However, we have one aspect, we are above angels. We can influence the worlds above, and they can't influence the worlds above. Our soul through our souls, we can influence the worlds above. We can influence the higher worlds through our actions, because our souls are linked to the higher worlds. The angels, too, are exalted and attain higher great Kedusha. But an angel cannot affect other worlds. They can only affect the world they live in. They can't affect the world, the dimensions above them. We can affect dimensions above ourselves and affect the dimensions above the angels. If our souls come from that dimension. But they can't affect anything above them. And that's why it says, The angels are standing, Yeshayahu says. They're standing above. They're not moving. They're standing. They're stationary. What does it mean stationary? They can't grow. They're, they're cut off. In a sense, they can't go above their own dimension. Whereas, the Pasuk says in Zechariah, I will grant you that you can walk among the standing ones. Man can walk and the angels are standing. Because we can walk above them. We can go higher than them. So we have ourselves, this, the Neshama, the Nefesh Ruah Neshama, we have the power to elevate ourselves and we can elevate the higher worlds with us as well. Because we have the ability, Hashem breathed into our nostrils the soul of life with the Neshama. And we're the only ones with this Neshama. We're the only creatures in the world with this Neshama, which is linked to the worlds above. And that's, that's our ability, that's our strength. Our strength is the Neshama. And the descent of the soul. Where is this hinted to in the Torah? It's hinted to in the dream of Yaakov Avinu. What was the dream of Yaakov Avinu? The ladder. Remember the ladder? Going all the way up to heaven, and the angels going up and down. Rav Chaim Velazhen says, this ladder represents the soul of life. It's our soul which is the ladder to heaven. When you're praying, you're climbing up your soul. You know? When you pray, you're trying, to, you're trying to climb up your own soul to reach upwards, higher on your own soul. And God's angels were going up and down the ladder, was, and the ladder was on the ground. The soul's lower end becomes clothed in the garments of a man's body. That's the ladder on the ground. And the going up and down the angels is really us going up and down the ladder. Okay, we'll stop here. And we'll continue Bedrasha next week. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.